Blog Talk Radio. Alongside, of course, each and every week is uh, none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Uh, good morning and welcome, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you this beautiful Tuesday morning? I am doing excellent as always. Very excited and always happy to uh, to be here with you on the show uh, Tuesday mornings. We always have a good time and have some interesting guests and usually some pretty interesting discussions as well. And uh, today is going to be no different. But let me, uh, before I let you know what we're going to be doing this, uh, this week, uh, everybody, let me just remind you, of course, we are live Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, time here on uh, the blogtalkradio.com network. Just go to blogtalkradio.com and type in the women of golf up in the search key, and that will take you to the main page. And uh, you can either listen to us live Tuesday mornings or uh, you can scroll down to the on-demand section and you can listen to it in its entirety later on. Uh, the recorded versions of all of our uh, shows, including today, are right there front and center. So uh, make sure you do that. Uh, and maybe if you're somebody that's interested in listening on a different platform, you can go to iTunes.com or Stitcher.com. And under the podcast section, again, just type women of golf and that will take you to the uh, pages there. And you can listen to those uh, whenever it's convenient. Uh, or you can also... Uh, call into the show anytime during the live broadcast on Tuesday. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the number to call is area code 347-945-5855. And uh, you can also reach out to Cindy and her I uh, if you so choose. Uh, our emails are cindy at cindymillergolf.com and mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. So if you're somebody in the golf industry and maybe you think you've got something that you'd like to share or discuss on the program that either hasn't been discussed or maybe you'd like to add something a little bit different to a previous discussion, uh, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. So please uh, reach out to us. Uh, again, Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com and mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Got a great show for you this morning. We're going to continue part two of uh, Golf Course Facts uh, in our discussion here in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, we've got a top 100 teacher in America. Susie Myers is going to be joining us on the second half. Um, so, Cindy, uh, catch me up. What's new and exciting? Anything uh, coming up on your schedule in the next little bit? Well, we had a nice day of filming um, U.S. Kids Golf stuff last week. So the marketing and uh, media relations person, John Kim from U.S. Kids Golf, came up to Buffalo and Toronto, and we filmed a bunch mm-hmm. of golf tips for teachers. And then he stayed around for our LPGA Girls Golf Clinic, which we invite boys to come to as well. And we had about 11 kids, and they had a ball, so hopefully they get to see themselves on the Internet or wherever they do these advertisements, and um, it was awesome. So we had lots of fun. And next week we are going to Boca to do a corporate event for K2 Telecommunications. So we're pretty excited about that. Alan and I will be going down. Uh, We do clinics, and then we play with their customers. So we're very excited. And the weather in Buffalo has been a little scary hot. Yesterday was 92 degrees. (laughs) Well, that's the the precursor for what's about to come in the winter. If anything, uh, we know that Buffalo gets usually hit pretty hard with some snow, I know the last couple of years I don't think have been quite as bad, but uh, so you're just getting a, a last-minute uh, heat down, if you will, before before the cool weather rolls in. So enjoy it while it lasts. Um, yeah. 
Exactly. You, you know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. Um, well, that's fantastic. I know, Cindy, I've seen uh, a number of the videos that uh, you've been doing here lately. I know you've been doing lots of great work uh, on social media. I've seen uh, some of the videos posted in that and uh, great job as always. And, and I know that you and Alan have a great time uh, doing a lot of the different uh, projects that you do together as a team. Uh, the Millers, of course, are a team uh, in, in golf and uh, do a lot of things together as well as independently, but uh, do a lot of things together. And they're, they're a great couple and, and a great asset to this game. So uh, keep up the great work. Um, all right, we're going to talk about, uh, I wanted to continue on a little bit of discussion um, and, and just some basics, uh, folks, here we're going to talk about this morning uh, in uh, some of the golf course facts. And one of the things that a lot of people, uh, it might seem very simple, but a lot of people um, maybe don't know, and, and we're going to talk just a little bit about uh, scorekeeping and scorecards uh, a little bit, and also some of the um, things, uh, if you will, what some of the, the terminology means, uh, and I'll explain that in just a moment here. But the first one is, Cindy, and it's, it's really kind of a simple one, and that is, how do you keep score in golf? What are your thoughts? <laughs> Which, um, it sounds like it's a redundant question, but basically you count every time you swing and mean to hit the ball. So if you right. make a swing and you miss the ball you need, and you, your intent was to hit the ball, then you need to count that shot. Um, yes. Needless to say, there are penalties, but basically keeping score is counting every time you hit. And you know what's funny? There's a right. lot of different things that women, uh, tchotchkes, if you, if you will, tools and Mm -hmm. things that you can purchase if you have trouble adding up all your shots. Um, because it, as a beginner, a really good score for you would be double par. So right. if you're on a par three and you make a, a six, you should be happy. If you're on a par four and you make eight, you should be happy. And if you're on a par five and you make a 10, you should be happy. Some leagues tell you to, once you hit a certain number, you can pick up the ball, but, Basically, you keep score by counting every time you swing and you intend to hit the ball. Right. And, and that's sort of the, the basics of, of scorekeeping, of course. And we're not going to get into the other right now, but obviously uh, if you're playing to a handicap, uh, there's a whole process for that. We'll talk about that another time because that's a little bit more involved. Um, but for most of our, our uh, weekend golfers and everyday golfers out there that maybe just want to go out and have some fun, uh, they may not be using that particular uh, process at this time. Um, so we'll talk about that later. The other thing, too, that a lot of people do uh, or should do, I think, on their scorecards, um, especially, um, you know, e even if you're playing, uh, whether it be a twosome or even a foursome, is kind of keep track of your shots. And obviously you don't want to do every, but as an example, uh, you might want to mark down uh, a spot there. There's usually a few extra boxes there that you can, you can make a, a note or two. And you might want to mark something like fairways hit. So every time you, you hit it out into the fairway, you might want to mark that on that particular hole. Um, same thing with greens and regulations. So if you're uh, hitting the greens and in, in, in regulations, um, you might want to mark that as well. And also how many putts you made on a green. So if you, if you made the, the, the uh, hole in one putt or two putts or three putts or what have you, um, it's a good idea to kind of keep those stats handy, Cindy, don't you think? Um, especially for our beginner golfers, because that's a great tool not only for, for them to keep track of that, but it's also great information to relay to your, your instructor or coach that you're working with next time you get together for a session. You can say, hey, I played these two rounds, and here are you know, my stats as, as they were. Um, so that's great information to, uh, to relay to your, um, to your partner and uh, also to uh, your coach or, or instructor that you might be working with. So just some thoughts. Um, now, Another one, Cindy, is, and a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, believe it or not, um, may not know what some of these terms are, and uh, we're going to talk about that, and, and the terms I'm talking about are um, birdies, bogeys, eagles, pars, and so forth. Um, what are some of these golf scoring terms mean? Um, so maybe you can explain a couple, and I'll do a couple as well. What's, what's a birdie? What does a birdie mean? Well... Let's go back to what par is because everything is measured off of okay. what par is. And par, okay. par is what you're, if you're a really good player, it's calculated mm -hmm. at how many shots a good player should be able to finish the hole in. 
So there are three different kinds of PARs. There's a PAR 3, a PAR 4, and a PAR 5. And typically Mm -hmm. you're allowed two putts, which means on the green to get the ball in the hole. So you're always allowed two putts. So if PAR is 3, you're supposed to be on the green in one, and then you get two putts. And if it's a par four, right. you're supposed to be on the green in two, and you get two putts. And a par five, you're on the green in three, and you get two putts. So if you make par on every hole, you shoot even par. Now, you can make a par without hitting the green if you chip and putt real well. Um, right. So a birdie is one under par. Eagle is two under par. Um and a bogey is one over par, a double bogey is two over par, a triple bogey is three over par, and a quad would be right. four over par. So right. that's what those things are. Now, I, again, let's go back to the scorecard for a minute because you discussed yep. about hitting fairways and greens, and beginners might not know what that means. So okay. when you play 18 holes of golf, typically there's two par threes, on the front nine and two par threes on the back nine. So you don't count hitting that as a fairway. There's 14 possible fairways and 18 holes. So if somebody hit the ball off the tee and that ball goes in the fairway, that's counted as a fairway, which means if you hit 14 fairways, you're a pretty straight ball striker with your driver. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting in the middle of the fairway, on a par four or a par five and you knock your shot on the green when you're supposed to, we call that hitting a green. So there's 18 greens you can hit and there's 14 fairways. And if you hit every fairway and every green and you two putt every hole, you just shot even par, which might be very confusing for somebody. You might say, what? Wait a minute, back it up. (laughs) So that's a way for your instructor to almost discern what you might need to work on. And if you're playing golf, trying to be a little bit of a competitor, then you need to have some goals for yourself. And what I suggest people do is try to hit fairways for sure, but then hit greens and one over regulation, which would mean if you're on a par three, you get to be on in two. If you're on a par four, you get to be on in three. And a par five, you get to be on in four. And if you do that and you two-putt every hole, you just shot 90. And most people that play golf are not accomplished enough to shoot 90. Yeah, many of them are are struggling to to even break 100 in a lot of cases, especially some of our our higher handicap golfers and that. They're just not – you know, I think a lot of people don't really understand the numbers and don't realize, like you just uh, very eloquently pointed out, um, if you look at it a little bit differently um, in how you play the game, suddenly the score doesn't become as important in the forefront of your mind. You're thinking of it from a different term, and the score will eventually take care of itself. But if, if you're constantly fo- focusing on the numbers all the time, Got to shoot this, otherwise, par birdie here. I've got to, you know, for our um, accomplished golfers, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, they're focusing too much on certain areas that really are not going to benefit them uh, at this time. So you're right in, in your explanation. I think that's a great way to approach it. Is just to make a few alterations in your game um, and look at things a little bit differently. And I think as time comes on uh, and, and you become a little bit more accomplished, then things will make more sense to you as well. Um, a great explanation, uh, Cindy. Thank you for that. Um, now, also, there's one other that uh, that you hadn't mentioned, and a lot of people, and I'm going to use its uh, alter ego, if you will, and that is maybe you can explain what an albatross is. Well, an albatross is a two on a par five, which is three under par, mm-hmm. basically, right? Or yes. a one yep. on a par four. Yep. So two on a, a par five, uh, or, I've, I've, very, very few people have ever had one of those. Yeah. Very, very few, exactly. It's uh, a double eagle, um, or as you mentioned, also as an albatross uh, is the uh, sort of the official name, if you will. But um, not a lot of people get that, even in the pro level, and not a lot of them get that. It's uh, every once in a while you'll see them on uh, on one of the tours. They'll they'll get one, and 
And uh, it, they celebrate that almost as much as a hole in one, I think, in some cases, uh, depending on the player. But uh, it, it's something. But, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand these things, Cindy, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to sort of continue this discussion um, today, uh, uh, you know, as far as uh, scorecards and, and things like that, and just some of the terms that, that people might be faced with. Because I think a lot of players uh, out there, um, you know, they don't understand some of the terminology. They don't understand how to do uh, some of the very basic functions that they're required to know. And, you know, and, and as we talked about last week, Cindy, it's fine if you're playing with somebody who is a little bit more accomplished or is familiar with the golf course uh, that can sort of help guide you along. Um, but if you're really new at the game, uh, it's also a little bit daunting for that other person to have to constantly explain things to you. So um, this is where it's good to have this discussion with your, your instructor that you're working with uh, and do a little bit of research and find out what some of these things mean so that when you get on the golf course, certainly you're not going to know everything, uh, but you're going to be a little bit better informed and it just makes for a more enjoyable round um, as opposed to scratching your head and, and saying, well, I don't understand this or what does this mean or I've never heard of that or you know, so on and so forth. So I just think it's something that uh, uh, is good for, um, for the folks out there to kind of familiar with some of the different terms and some of the different things that they're going to be faced with. Um, all right, something else too that... Uh, um, we've seen a little bit in the media uh, here recently. We're going to move on to the sort of the next uh, slot here, if you will, and that's on, uh, back on the course. And uh, we've seen a few players that have got jammed up on this um, through error or, or what have you, and that is um, marking the ball. Um, what is the correct way to mark the ball on the green? Well, you need – you know what and, I didn't realize? That you can do it with a well, tee. And yes. lay it down. Did you mm-hmm. see that? Where, who, there was an LPGA Tour player that was using a tee and laying it down. And I thought, uh, if the wind blows, that thing's rolling, and that's not a good thing. Yeah. But you have to place something yeah. behind the ball, directly behind it, as close as possible, um, and pick up your ball. And you can clean it off when you're on the green. Yeah. You can't mark your ball when you're off the green unless you're playing lift, clean, and place. Which, what does that mean? Well, lift, clean, and place, you mark your ball first when you're off the fairway or on the fairway and you're not on the green, and then you can clean it off and replace it whatever distance they tell you. But otherwise, don't touch your golf ball unless you're on the green and you mark it first. Yeah, and some of the, some of the um, circumstances where you might, you know, you mentioned a couple in there that you might want to or need to mark the ball um, one is when, of course, when you're going to clean the ball, you want to make sure you mark it first, but don't pick the ball up even on the green, uh, before you've marked it. Otherwise you're going to, uh, in, incur a stroke, uh, or, or in some cases, if in tournament play, uh, you might even be disqualified. Um, when you also want to align the balls, uh, graphics, some people use the graphics. Uh, in other words, the, uh, if, as an example, if you're playing a Titleist, you might want to line up, uh, the word Titleist. Uh, with your putting line in order to give you a better read. So you want to make sure that you've marked your ball uh, again before you move it or pick it up and replace it um, uh, before you do that again. Otherwise, you're, you're incurring strokes. Um, the other reason, too, is when you believe your golf ball might be in the way of another player um, uh, or a distraction to another player, uh, there's a, a proper way to do that. And that kind of really is interesting, too, about what you just said about the individual that played uh, or used a tee um, that would be something that I would be a little bit, I mean, obviously they're going to move it, but uh, that would be, I think, more of a distraction, I think, than a, than a coin would. Don't you agree? For, for another competitor player, um, even if it's oh, not in their line of sight. It's too or big. In yeah. their line of play. Too big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. And, and obviously uh, the, the, the other option is, of course, uh, what we were just talking about is if uh, another player asks you to do so. In other words, if it's, if it's sort of in their line of sight, um, and it's a distraction to them, they may ask you to, to move it uh, or what have you. So um, those are some reasons that you might want to uh, mark the, uh, the golf ball. And uh, you should know these things. As, as I said, um, you know, these are things that you should have a general understanding of so that you make sure that you're playing not only to the rules properly, um, but uh, this also helps um, speed up play as well. If you're constantly having to ask what to do or how to do things, on the golf course that just adds to your time and uh, can make a little bit of a, that can be a distraction as well. Um, what is the proper method 
uh, or is there a proper method for um, tending a flag stick? Now we'll talk about, uh, obviously underdo things a little bit differently in, in many cases, but um, what are some of the, the circumstances and what can and can you not you do uh, when uh, tending the flag stick? Cindy, go ahead. Well, if someone, what does it mean to tend the flag stick? It means that you are away and you're up to putt, so whoever's farthest away hits first. And if you're on the green and you can't see the hole very well because you're a long way away, you are not allowed, well, you can leave the flag in, but if you hit the flag, it's a two-stroke penalty. So to protect you from getting the two-stroke penalty, you would ask one of your playing partners to attend the pin, which means they will stand there and hold the flag stick until you hit the ball. And as soon as you hit the ball, they have to pull the flag out. Um, Yes. So what you would do is not be aware of where everyone's ball is. If it's sitting on the green marked or not marked, just say, where is everybody? Because you don't want to stand in someone's putting line. Line. So just be aware and, and stand, you know, about two, three feet away and reach over to grab the pin. I would wiggle the pin first before you try to slam it, pull pull it it out because sometimes it gets, and if there's sand between the flagstick and the cup, uh, you might not be able to pull it out. I've done that caddying on the PGA Tour, and it's a little scary. So <laughs> I would wiggle it first just to make sure that you can get the flagstick out. Right. And another thing, just a couple of things I want to mention, too, that I, I've seen this, and Cindy, I'm sure you've seen this uh, with, with uh, watching some amateur players. Um, sometimes you might be playing by yourself, so you don't have somebody tending the flag, so you might pull it out. Um, I always um, – now, some people will lay it down on the green. Um, I prefer to go to the closest point uh, where you see the first cut or the, the fringe and, and lay it in there just so that it doesn't uh, – one doesn't roll around as easily, but also um, it, it doesn't uh, mark up. The other thing that I, I, I see a lot of times, too, and this is, in my opinion, is a big, big no-no, is I'll see even a group of foursome, everybody's you know, fairly close uh, around the hole, so nobody needs to tend the flag. I'll see somebody pull out the flag, and they'll drop it uh, on the green. They'll just sort of let it flop down onto the green. The problem with that that a lot of people don't realize, it doesn't happen every time, but it can happen. I've actually been in a group where somebody did that, is the um, part of the flag that sticks into the, to the cup uh, actually kind of got jammed in the green a little bit as they were laying it down and dropped it and actually made what would be like a pitch mark. Now they did fix it, but again, it damaged the green um, when they were dropping it because it kind of got stuck in the, in the, in the uh, grass, if you will, and just sort of made a little kind of a pitch mark. So don't slam it down. Uh, use some, some, you know, good etiquette or, or protocol, if you will, when you're doing that. But as Cindy said, um, you know, you might want to also have somebody tending it if you're off the green and maybe you're chipping uh, or a short pitch. Uh, but again, um, you know, if you're not able to see the cup, you want to be able to, to have that line of sight. So um, just things to know and uh, things that we need to um, make sure that we're uh, coherent about uh, when we're out there playing. Um, the last thing, this is something too. And let me, these just, are just let me interrupt for a second. Again, I gotta, yeah, yeah, hang I'm on, sorry. I've got to Go interrupt. On. So another thing that drives me nuts is people that walk too close to the cup I've seen beginners walk right over the cup and mush down the side of the hole. The cup is sacred territory and you don't want to walk anywhere near it because Mm -hmm. you're going to mess the cup up and, and just absolutely don't want to do that. So be very aware of not, not uh, walking near the hole. And the other thing is pick up your feet when you walk. Sometimes you scrape your foot and you make spike marks, on the green, again, not as much as it used to be when we had metal spikes, but even plastic spikes will mess the green up and make a mark. So if that happens, turn around and pat it down with your putter. But try to pick your feet up yes. and don't scrape them. Yeah, well said. Um, and the other thing, too, very quickly is a lot of people do this, and you really have to be careful of this, is a lot of people when they're picking up their ball, whether it be in the hole um, they'll use their putter like a cane uh, and lean over. Um, that's okay if it's just to sort of steady you a little bit, but you've got to be careful that you don't put all your weight on that because that can also leave an indentation. Uh, so you need to be careful of that. I know a lot of people do it. Um, 
and I've even seen some pros do it. Um, but I can assure you they're not putting their full weight on that uh, on that putter because the putter head will, especially if you've got it tilted up a little bit, uh, can actually dig in or, or um, make an indentation into the green, which uh, again doesn't uh, will affect you know future players that may be coming on. Um, the last one, Cindy, and this is uh, again these are not carved in stone, but these are sort of general recommendations. Uh, the teeing height uh, of your golf ball when you're uh, on the the tee box. Um, just a couple scenarios with the driver. Um, what sort of a general rule? I mean, everybody is a little bit different, but there are some, some general things that they recommend. What are some thoughts there um, with the driver? And, and also maybe talk about the uh, uh, three-wood or fairway wood. What's the sort of teeing height that you should tee your ball in relation to the club? Well, I tell my students half the ball above the club head. So when you're mm-hmm. teeing up a driver and you have a big-headed, you know, one of the newer drivers of four hundred or four fifty, however big they are right now. I don't even know that. But um four sixty yeah. Make sure yeah, four sixty. just make sure that you've got half the ball above the head. So you might need to purchase some three and a quarter inch tees. Any mm-hmm. four inch tees, uh that's as long as you can get. You can't be over that or it's illegal. So just be aware of that. Three right. and a quarter inch tees, you can buy them at your local pro shop, Walmart, Target, Dick's yeah. Yeah. Um, what about three wood? Three wood's a little bit different. Obviously, a smaller club head. Um, don't need to tee it quite as high. What's What's kind of a recommendation that you, uh, again, with your students? Well, again, you know, it depends on how high you want to hit it. I wouldn't. I would still have at least a half to a quarter of the ball above the head. And an iron, I would tee lower yeah. so that the ball's in the middle of the face. Right. Um, yeah, the, the recommended, you're, you're exactly right. You know, a half to a third of, of the ball above the top of the club head. Uh, maybe some of your other fairway woods or hybrids, about a half inch uh, of the tee above the ground. Um, also, um, long to mid irons, about a quarter inch of the tee above the ground. Uh, and six inch shorter, uh, six, sorry, six iron and shorter, uh, only the head of the tee above the ground. So, obviously, as you get into your irons nut, you're going to lower that. Um, you don't want to have your tee too high um, with your irons nut because then you're not going to really um, – you're going to be kind of scooping the ball up, and that's not really what you want to do. You want to obviously give yourself a clean lie, and that's the purpose of uh, – one of the privileges, I guess, of, of playing golf uh, off the tees is that uh, you get to have that option. Um, but um, you want to make sure that you tee things accordingly – and not get them too high, but at the same time, not get them too low with certain clubs. Obviously, if you're teeing your, your driver too low, uh, that's going to incur um, top shots, uh, top shots, things like that. Um, so it's a good idea to have some of these little tidbits, if you will, that we're talking about this morning, as I said, to, in preparing to go out and play uh, your best golf. So, um, Cindy, we're, we're going to wrap that one up, and I see our, our, our I guess Susie is, is ready. So let me just read out a little bit here. And uh, and then we'll we'll bring her on and, and continue the conversation. Uh, a very special guest this morning, of course, is Susie Myers. Uh, she's a golf uh, coach based out of Tucson, Arizona, and uh, she has recently been named one of the top 100 teachers in America by Golf Magazine. Uh, she has a new book as well out called uh, Golf from Point A, and uh, it's been received uh, has received some great reviews. Uh, I recommend everyone read it, uh, even if you're not a golfer. Uh, the lessons in this book translate to everything in your life, from your job, your relationships. Uh, to any other sport that you might be playing. Uh, Susie also coached Michael Thompson for 15 years. Thompson was the 2012 runner-up at the U.S. Open and the 2013 Honda Classic champion. Uh, She prefers to be considered a coach versus a golf instructor. Her belief is to coach uh, the whole person, not just the golf swing, and to bring out the best in each and every uh, person, whatever their abilities are. Uh, And learning what you can control and what is out of control uh, shines uh, out of your control shines a light on what you want to focus on so uh, your perspective will be what creates uh, your golf game so without further hesitation let's uh, bring out our uh, special guest this morning Susie Myers good morning well good morning I'm so um, happy to be able to uh, join you this morning thank you so much for the uh, the uh, introduction there you're you're very welcome Susie um, Let's start with an obvious question, uh, since uh, the introduction sort of ended that way. Um, Is the game simple, uh, or is it complex? 
in your opinion, and, and explain what you mean. Well, it's really whatever the person brings to the table. Um, their perceptions are going to be so important to how they end up playing the game. I think uh, in today's world, with a lot of technology, uh, it's tended to get a little bit more complex. And um, I'd mm-hmm. like to believe that it's a, you know a walk there where you you make a movement and the ball goes somewhere and you go chase it and find it and figure it out again and then make it go somewhere and chase it and find it. So um, I think the game is uh, taught a little bit too complex in these days. So I like to think of it as simple. Yeah. Give us um, maybe just an example of of the complexity you're referring to, just because somebody that maybe has not taken a lot of lessons or maybe isn't uh, – uh, sure, what you're talking about. Maybe give and explain what you think uh, some of the complexities have been uh, here in, in recent years in the golf industry. Well, I just think that uh, the golf swing is uh, more of a natural movement if you understand what the club is uh, designed to do and if you understand that there's mm-hmm. a weight to the club. This is why young children can play the game very, very well uh, just by swinging the head of the club, you know, swinging the weight of the club. And um, now it seems to me the, the people that uh, come to me that are frustrated with the game feel that there's too many things to think about and they have to micromanage yeah. every piece of that movement. So it's the micromanaging that gets us into trouble. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Cindy, true. go ahead. Yeah, Cindy, go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely true. So tell us about your book uh, and what inspired you to write it. Well, I'm very excited about the book. It's a, you know, I've been coaching for over 20 years and uh, playing for, uh, you know, another 25 years. So it's really a compilation of uh, my philosophy towards golf. And um, I was very fortunate to, uh, after, after working with a lot of really top coaches in the or instructors in the world, I came upon a gentleman that simplified the game and described the game in the way that I had grown up and played it. So I resonated very quickly to um, these ideas, and um, I've been coaching these ideas for a long time. Um, golf from point A is simply getting yourself into a um, state of mind. Uh, point A is simply a place in time. Most people try to play golf from A to B to C to D, so they try to connect everything, and as long as it's working, they're happy, and as soon as it doesn't work out, it goes from B, they thought it was going to go on the green, and it didn't, it went in the bunker, they're unhappy, and they start to think about why did it go in the bunker, and why? what do I have to do to fix it, and how the heck am I going to get my score that I thought I was going to have, and, and so they play golf with such burdens that their movements actually change because of the way that they're thinking. So when you play golf from point A, you really simplify it into simply one stroke. And we've heard one stroke at a time before, but um, that had never never really made a, a difference to me. Play one shot at a time. And I'm like, well, of course that's all I'm going to play. But I didn't realize that mentally I was carrying all of my past with me, all of these burdens and all of the anxieties of the future of where's the ball going to go? What am I going to do on the 14th hole? Oh, my goodness, I'm on the 16th <laughs> hole and I'm playing my best round. And how am I going to finish if I just do par, par, par? So we're, we're never in the moment. We're always thinking about all this other stuff that clogs our systems up. So golf from point A is simply being in the moment, doing the best that you can, releasing it, forgetting it, moving on, taking in the information, doing the best that you can with the information that's given to you. If it's behind a tree, be happy it's behind a tree because you get to figure out this problem. So it's really problems to really doing it with a very clear mind. Hallelujah. You know, yeah, well said. Cindy, that, that reminds me, you know, a few weeks back I made a comment about, um, you know, sort of a, a, an analogy of like when you go to the airport and you're dragging all your bags, uh, you know, up, up to the, uh, the carousel. And golf yeah. is, is, is very much, you know, golf is very much like that as well for many of our amateurs out there. Um, you know, they're, they're bringing all of the past holes with them uh, to each hole and to each shot that they're playing. So, Cindy, that... Uh, or um, sorry, Susie, what you were saying about being in the moment is so true. 
um, is really what we need to be doing as, as golfers uh, out there and not worrying about the shot that has already happened because you can't change uh, what's already taken place. You can only change uh, what's about to happen uh, in preparation, but uh, not what, and, and that's right. Yes, exactly. But what happens is uh, people want to get better, so they take lessons. And the, the, the lesson process is so much about, oh, what did you just do and how can you fix it? That's immediately in the past. My way of coaching is, what do you want to do? Let's figure out a plan. Let's make this very simple. Let's just sweep the tea out with the club. And when you don't do it, don't figure out what you did wrong. Just allow your body to figure out what it wants to do. And, and if, if, if I was swimming when I was a kid and I was through a quarter at the bottom of the pool and the first time I dove down to try to get it, I didn't get it. I came up. Would I want someone to instruct me what I did wrong or would I just want to jump in and try to do it again? And so what, what golf instruction has been about is what am I doing wrong and how do I fix it? And you don't fix a golf swing. You develop a golf swing, and you want to develop it by figuring out what you want to do. So you have a plan, and you say, okay, I'm going to hold my finish on every shot, which is amazingly difficult. But it sounds so yes. simple. But if I just work on getting that one thing cleaned up in my golf game, my <clears throat> game would change. But everybody wants to figure out why they don't hold their finish. (laughs) And that's backwards thinking instead of forwards thinking. I want to do this. Okay, I didn't do it. Well, I want to do this. And you allow yourself to work towards the positive rather than always thinking about the negative. Yes, well said. Um, The other thing, too, uh, Susie, that you, you you talk about in the book is uh, everyone is different. Um, one of the things that has been a little bit of a pet peeve for me uh, with the golf industry from, from a teaching and coaching perspective is that many of the theories and philosophies out there have tried to sort of pigeonhole everybody into one way of thinking. And that, as we've now discovered here in recent, more recent times, is we are all individual. Everybody is going to play differently. Everybody's not going to play the same as Cindy Miller or as Susie Myers or, or uh, myself, Ted, um, how do you sort of tap into the individual uh, and bring out the best of their game? What do you do specifically to, to sort of tap their uh, inner uh, being, if you will? Well, once again, I think you – I try to make the task that they're doing so simple that they can actually do it and, and just above their skill level, whatever their skill level is. So you find something that they need to do, and then you simply say – well, I don't care what else happens. Let's just start working on one little thing at a time and make it so simple that they can actually do it. Do you visualize the shot? No, I don't visualize the shot. Well, let's, if, if your body doesn't know what you're asking for it to do, then it won't know what to do. You will have to tell it every step of the way. So if you're shooting a basket, are you looking at the floor? No, you're looking at the basket, you're visualizing that, and then the body will attempt to make the the shot the best that it can. So teaching people how to think about what they want to do is so much different than telling them step-by-step how to do it because they're all going to do it differently, but their bodies are designed for success. A human being is designed to walk well, to talk well, to hit a putt in the hole. We are designed for success, and it's, it's our person, our thoughts that get in the way. So if we just allow some things to happen versus working so darn hard on stuff that doesn't really matter, the body figures out how to do it to that person's body. And you don't have to go and get a certified in, in physical fitness to be able to tell a person, oh, you can't move your shoulder. Now you go do all these exercises to move your shoulder. Well, they don't even putt for five minutes. So why are they going to go do all these exercises? Let's just play with the body that they have and give them ideas that allow them to free up whatever abilities they have. Yeah, I, I agree. There you go. And you know, it all, yeah, go ahead, Cindy. I, uh, that's amazing. So let's, let's pretend that someone comes to you and they can't get the ball in the air. Well, they don't understand the golf club because you can, and, and this is a, a huge 
Um, when I describe the golf club and help them understand what to do with the golf club, they look at me like, you know, I've never heard this before. I've taken a lot of golf lessons, and I've never heard this before. And I'm like, you know, it's it's learning the tool. If you understand how the tool is designed and what it's for, you do not have to direct your body to do anything. The body will follow along. So if I tell you this is a hammer, but I'm over there shoveling the dirt, your body will work in two different ways with the tool. So the design of the golf club is such that there's four differences in a golf club from a wedge to a driver. These are all differences that mean a lot to the golfer, but they think they've got one golf club. And so the four differences all start with L. And any of you want to try to figure out what the four differences in a golf club are? That all Line start off. with L. Yes. 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 Uh, so, line, loss, length. I've, I've been in a know. room of 50 golf professionals, and I've asked them this, and nobody's gotten the last one. And this, the one, this is the one that I find amazing. And I say, well, you didn't figure it out because I made it up. But I made it up because it's the truth. The last one is that when you hold a wedge and you hold it properly, the shaft leans toward the target so that the handle is in front of the face. If you hold a driver properly, the way it's lined up, the shaft almost leans backwards. It's pretty straight with the face. So those shaft leans are hugely different. The wedges have the most lean toward the target, and every shaft leans differently. Well, the reason is is because to compress a ball, they have there's different ways to compress these balls. The driver compresses a ball and makes the ball move through speed. And most people, well, I shouldn't say most people, there are some people that think that the wedges are easier to create the most speed because they find that the driver is big and clumsy and they can't do anything with it. But the length of the shaft determines the speed of the club. So the, la- the length of the club determines that the, the head is going to move quicker. It will compress the ball through speed. But that wedge is what I call short fat, built for comfort and not for speed. He's heavy. He's leaning forward. And if you simply allow the club to drop in the shape that it's designed in, the ball will go up in the air. It will be compressed through pressure from a leaning shaft. So the more lean that you have in the shaft, especially in the irons, the more the ball will go up. So you don't have to tell people, put your hands in front. You just have to help them understand that's the way the club's designed. Now, don't redesign it. Hmm. Awesome. That's an interesting way. Yeah, very interesting way to approach it. I never thought of that. Um. (laughs) Okay. Because it's all about the tool. It's not about the Indian. The Indian pulls the arrow back, you know, because that's what the the bow and arrow is designed to do. So if we understand the design of the club, you can get beginners to pop the ball up quite simply as soon as they understand how to apply pressure to the ball. So why why do you think, Susie, let me ask you this question then, why do you think that we make golf so difficult? Why do you think, not, not just from a teaching perspective or coaching perspective, but even as players, why do you think we make it so difficult? Well, we make um, learning the golf swing difficult because we think we see people doing something and we think that's what they're doing. But that's a figment of our imagination most of the time in golf. They're thinking one thing and something else is happening, and it's happening for the good. So we look at a pro and we go, oh, they're sending the ball, and everybody else is trying to lift the ball in the air because that's what they see the ball doing. They have no idea how they how they how that pro is actually doing it or what that pro is actually thinking. And so golf instructors are the most important people in golf. We all need a guide to get us through this maze of what it looks like it feels very different than that why are you telling me to do that but when I do that it works I would have never thought of doing that how many times have you gotten that out there so the golf instructor Mm -hmm. is very very important but the presentation of the information is so critical that we don't tell people how to do things but we allow them to discover by their own you know, trial and error and use ourselves as guides instead of, 
dictators and this is what you're supposed to do in a golf swing. Their bodies will do it to the best of their bodies. And so easing the burdens and, and putting the burden on the coach to learn how to express what you want in the most simple ways so that you keep their mind simple. If you clog their mind up with all of the fun facts that you know and all the smart stuff you know, then they walk away and say, man, that guy is so smart. They know so much about the golf swing. This is going to be so hard. I don't know if I'm ever going to get it. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 And that's true. And I think that you see that a lot, unfortunately, um, especially with a lot of the technology that's out there today is, um, it's more about impressing people with the knowledge of the technology than it is really using it for its, its true purpose. And it is essentially a tool to help. What are some of the tools and what are the purposes of the tools of the trade, if you will? Well, learning about your tools, I use tools in two different ways. The tools are my golf clubs, and they are all designed differently to do different things. And so once you understand those tools, your body will start to move differently. But I have some mental process um, tools also. As you read through the book, uh, I, I design it with um, – uh, words in threes because that's the way our brain remembers things. It clumps things together. So I have three P words and I have three A words for point A. And um, my A words are to allow me to get into a, a state of mind that is not so um, frenetic and negative. It's all, it's all about um, moving forward. And the first thing that you have to have is awareness. So you have to be aware of what you want to do. And then you have to understand and be aware when you're off of that path. So awareness is really the, the major key to life. Many of us play golf in a fog. So uh, once again, the guide, the instructor, is to allow us to find awareness on what we want to think about and what we don't need to think about. And the second is to accept. Is um, Once you've done something, you have to accept that that's what is. And wherever it is, you want to accept it, move on, and go from there. If you just missed the shot, don't try to figure out what you just did because that shot's over. There are no two shots the same. It doesn't mean that you're going to have the same exact miss the next time. I have a, a fun thing in the book called A Miss and a Mistake and what's the difference about that, and that helps us figure out what to focus on once again. But the third A word is allowing, to get, to get yourself into an allowing status. State. Allow the club to swing. Allow yourself to feel the, the, the golf club. Allow the ball to fly. Allow yourself to relax and move forward. And so everything kind of goes in this uh, circle. It doesn't matter where you start. Allow, accept, aware. Allow, accept, aware. You have to have an allowing state. You want to accept it and move on. You have to be aware when you're dwelling on what you don't want to dwell on so that you can make the adjustment. So um, those three key words are, are to be practiced so that even in your, your lesson time, you're in those states of mind, that, that you're not thinking too much, that you're not training your mind to be so active. You want to train your mind to be very, very quiet, and it begins in your lesson time. And that's where I find lessons can uh, really confuse us. And very quickly going to my P words, um, everything's got to be positive. Everything's got to be moving forward to what you want. What do you want? Don't tell me what you do wrong. Don't tell me what you don't want because whatever you focus on, that's what you will create. Mm -hmm. So when you tell me you have this over-the-top move and you show me this over-the-top move, and every time you do it, that move is getting stronger. So you want to think about yep. what you want to do, and then those things get stronger. The synapses in your brain connect stronger on those. And the stuff that you don't think about actually falls away. You don't use it anymore. So you want everything to be in a positive frame of mind. You want to have a plan, and once again, a plan that's so simple that you can do it. And then you want to have a process that you go through for each shot so that you train yourself to do the process. And then it's more about the process because you can't control where the ball goes. So when I talk about what you can and can't control, I don't know if you want to do all of that in this radio time or if you want to save that for another time, but that's no. a whole other lesson. <laughs> well, that we'll have to save, unfortunately, for another time because you're right. It, it probably is going to take a while to do that, but we definitely would love to have you come back and, and uh, expand on that a little bit further. Where can the, can the folks, uh, Susie, if they're interested in, in getting a copy of the book, where can they go to get it? 
You can get it on Amazon, um, Golf from Point A, uh, or you can go to uh, Barnes and Noble online. And um, I have two websites, uh, SusieMyersGolf.com and PointAGolf.com. You can go to either one of those and order them. So um, it's readily available. It's in Kindle. And um, if you go to Amazon, it's kind of fun to read through the reviews. I just noticed a review that came in yesterday that you know just blew my mind. And these, a lot of those reviews are from people that don't know anything about um, myself or my co-author Valerie Lazar, and um, they just read the book and they're like, "Oh my gosh, it's golf made simple," and that's what we need as we go out to play. Well said. Awesome. Well, Susie, we want to Very thank cool. you. Yeah, we want to. Yeah, we want to thank you for joining us this morning uh, on the Women of Golf Show. We'll definitely we'll have you back uh, to continue this conversation uh, when we have a little bit more time. But we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule this morning and joining us here this morning. Well, thank you so much. You guys are doing a great job with your show, and I really appreciate uh, being able to share with you. So I would look forward to well, coming back. Thank you. We will have you back on soon. Okay. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you. All right. All right, bye-bye. All right, that was our very special guest, Susie Myers, and her book, of course, is uh, Golf Point A. Um, great book. Definitely want to get a copy of that. I'm going to get one uh, actually this weekend, uh, make a point of getting a copy of it. I'm, I'm interested in some of the things that she was talking about here. Um, Cindy, we've got a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, once again to share uh, something that you've done, uh, talk a little bit about and how the folks can get a copy of uh, how to get to purchase the Learn to Hit It kit. So go ahead. Well, yes, I created the Learn to Hit It kit for busy people who really don't want to go to the driving range and find an instructor or they just want to learn how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. Excuse me. If you go to learntohititkit.com, you can purchase the kit, which includes a portable mat, foam golf balls, my Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway club, and a 10-module online course that you can learn and watch on your iPad as you're in the backyard hitting golf balls or in your hotel room or your living room, and it's $99. So go to learntohititkit.com. Perfect. Well said. Um, just a quick reminder, everybody, um, if you want to tune into our show each and every week, uh, go to blogtalkradio.com, up in the search key, type Women of Golf, or just add forward slash uh, Women of Golf onto that link, and that will take you to the show. You can listen to us live, uh, Cindy Miller and I, uh, Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time. Uh, or if you can't, go to that link uh, anytime and scroll down to the on-demand section. You can hear the show uh, in its entirety whenever it's convenient for you. So make sure that you, uh, if you haven't... Uh, Join us late here on today's show. You can go back in after the show and listen to the early part as well and listen to it in its entirety. Or you can listen to some of the previously aired shows. Uh, they're all there in the on-demand section, so make sure you do that. And, um, Cindy, we're going to be back, of course, next week with uh, another interesting discussion and another great guest uh, lined up. So make sure that uh, we uh, let folks know about that and, and join us uh, next week here on the Women of Golf Show. So on behalf of Cindy Miller, uh, I'm Ted Odorico. We're glad that you joined us this morning on the Women of Golf Show here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And we hope to see you here next week. Uh, have a great week, Cindy, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.